This episode of the Tomorrow's MSP podcast is sponsored by Decision Health. The provider enrollment process can be tricky, but with expert guidance from Decision Health's industry leaders, you can easily learn the best practices for enrolling with Medicare and commercial payers, using the Provider Enrollment, Chain, and Ownership System, or PICOS, and streamlining enrollment contracting and recruitment. Whether you are new to the field or have years of experience, Decision Health can help address the complex processes involved in credentialing, privileging, peer review, and enrollment. Receive guidance and best practices to ensure your practitioners are properly vetted and reimbursed for their services. To find out more information around the provider enrollment or credential classes that Decision Health has to offer, visit decisionhealth.com forward slash enroll21. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession, where medical services professionals and industry experts contribute their voices about popular topics, including the impacts of artificial intelligence, MSP core competencies, department advocacy, leadership, and more. I'm your host, Lauren Leocoris, content editor for NAMS. On this episode, I speak with Matthew Gollin, Director of Health Affairs with Boston Children's Hospital, about how provider enrollment is an essential competency for MSPs and how NAMS provider enrollment series can aid MSPs in being effective gatekeepers of patient safety. To start us off, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Lauren. I'm Matthew Gollin. I am the Director of Health Affairs at Boston Children's Hospital, and I've been here for about 15 years now. Excellent. And Matthew, thank you so much for being part of the Tomorrow's MSP podcast. Thanks for having me. So how did you come to be involved with NAMS? I actually spent about five years in my state association as the secretary, and that really started my volunteer leadership journey. And then I applied to be a committee member with NAMS when I ended that. But unfortunately, I wasn't accepted that first time, but persistence prevailed and I applied the second time and I was accepted and I was asked to join the membership committee. Something we really focused on at the state level in Massachusetts was how to increase our membership. So that's really an area that I had some expertise in, as well as a provider enrollment professional with a provider enrollment background. NAMS wanted my perspective as it relates to increasing participation of provider enrollment folks. So I'm very happy to have joined the NAMS membership committee in 2020 and then asked to serve as the vice chair in 2021 with the hope and the dream of serving chair next year if Chris Hinton will have me. So I'm excited about that opportunity. (laughs) For our listeners, can you define provider enrollment? Of course. So provider enrollment is the process by which you submit information to the insurance plans for enrollment into their networks. So patients can access your facility or providers as in-network to their insurance product, thus receiving the negotiated rate for care and relevant cost sharing. So we've all been in those circumstances where we've been told that a provider is in-network or not in-network, and that's really the crux of what enrollment does is we work with the insurance plans to make sure that the providers that are rendering care at our facility are in network with all the plans that we contract with. So that would include submitting the materials to the insurance plans according to their criteria, which will include regulations, either NCQA or URAC, as well as any other criteria that they may have with regards to participation. And then the provider enrollment professional will follow up with the plan to ensure that the provider has met their criteria and is participating with the plan and as of what effective date. 
So essentially, a provider can start seeing a patient as of that effective date in network to that patient's insurance product. If they see the patient before they're in network with that insurance product, it could be that we won't get reimbursed for the care that we've provided, or we'll get reimbursed at the standard rate and not the negotiated rate. So it's actually very important that providers become in network with those plans that are contracted with so that they can get reimbursed and continue to render the care. Plans in this case could vary from commercial plans, like the big ones are like United or Blue Cross Blue Shield of a state or Aetna, Cigna, et cetera. They could be Medicaid plans and, and Medicaid is generally for lower income individuals, but also a lot of children on Medicaid. There's two different types of Medicaid products. There's what we call quote unquote straight Medicaid, which is the state administers the program, usually through a vendor. Or a big thing that's kind of cropped up in the last five or 10 years is using an MCO or managed care organization to administer the product more like an HMO or health maintenance organization, more like a commercial payer. This idea that a private entity with a government contract can administer care to patients more efficiently and effectively than the government can. So it's a little bit of kind of a choose your own adventure as it relates to Medicaid. Ultimately, typically, the sicker you are and the more care you need, you typically stay on the government plan. And those that are maybe of lesser need of care will probably go to the MCO so their care gets managed in that way. And then there's the federal programs, primarily Medicare, Medicare, which is typically for older adults, but also people with underlying complex conditions. Anyone who's getting a dialysis, for example, will be on Medicare, including kids. So at Children's, we do see Medicare kiddos, despite the fact that Medicare is typically associated with older adults. And then TRICARE, which is the military payer, which is for military members and their family. And that's really a federal program as well. We kind of see some of the intricacies that go into provider enrollment. So what specific challenges have you observed relative to broader provider enrollment education? Absolutely. So as as you just heard me describe, obviously, there's a lot of variability in the insurance plans. The market is very large. And as a a free market in the United States, it's obviously there's a lot of competition and, and certain states may have multiple insurance plans competing against one another. Other states may have one dominant insurer and some smaller insurers. So there's a lot of complexity built in. I like to say that my MSP friends and colleagues, the variable is typically the provider coming through a standardized process. Whereas on the provider enrollment side, the variable is both the provider and the insurance plans because the insurance plans may not have, they'll have a standardized process, but it's not necessarily going to be the same as the other insurance plans that you deal with. For example, enrolling in Medicaid is completely different and generally more complex than enrolling in Medicare, despite the fact that they're the two primary government payers. So obviously the challenges are just increased complexity and understanding all the cross currents as it relates to provider enrollment. The other complexity is, is, you know, provider enrollment is localized and regionalized, and in many cases, hyper-localized to the institution. Provider enrollment is generally contract-based. So if you work for a large academic center, you may have requirements or rates that are advantageous because you have more negotiating position. Whereas if you work for a smaller practice or a smaller hospital, you may have less bargaining power and your contract will reflect that. So it could very well be that the big institution in a market and the smaller institution, although enrolling in the same plan, won't necessarily enroll in the same way. And that's what I really mean by that hyper-localized. And because of that, it's hard to share with colleagues best practices and think about ways in which we can streamline the process and think about enrollment in a little different way. My MSP colleagues have the regulations and that serves as the basis. And obviously, 
a lot of places adapt their processes and standards and policies to those. But the process is more or less fairly the same, whether you're in California, Massachusetts, Michigan. And that's the reason why NAMS has been so successful in advocating for the MSP profession. And one of the reasons I really wanted to get involved at the NAMS level to advocate for the provider enrollment profession, despite the fact that we'll never necessarily be able to get involved at the granular level to talk about like how you fill out this application versus that application, there are skills and competencies that I think are relevant regardless of which plan you're enrolling with that I think we are really trying to elevate. And that's something that I've been working on and how I've been speaking about provider enrollment with my colleague, Jenny Jackson. And so to think about how we can increase the visibility of provider enrollment professionals, think about ways in which we can reduce some of that complexity, I think is just one of the opportunities I think that NAMS is sensing as well as the fact that like provider enrollment professionals have never really had an organization advocate for them. And I think that credentialing and enrollment are very similar and similarly tied. So I think this is a great opportunity for NAMS. And I think it's a great thing that NAMS has really focused on tomorrow's MSP inclusive provider enrollment, because whether you're an MSP or PEP or do a little bit of both, I think it's important to understand why those two things interact with one another. Absolutely. And that's a perfect segue into what I want to talk about next, which is MSPs having sort of a robust suite of competencies to continue to evolve and adapt. So why would you say is provider enrollment an important competency for medical services professionals? So it's been said that MSPs are the gatekeepers of patient safety, but I would actually submit that the provider enrollment professionals are the gatekeepers to timely access to safe quality care rendered by competent and qualified providers. And so it's important to understand that it's it's a chain, right, from recruitment and onboarding to credentialing and privileging to provider enrollment is really the life cycle of how someone onboards and is able to render that care to patients in a timely way, in a safe way, by competent and qualified people. So credentialing professionals and enrollment professionals really need to work together to understand the role that each play in terms of understanding how patients access our care. And I really like to put the patient in the center of it. And I think NAMS did a wonderful thing quote unquote, branding MSPs as the gatekeepers of patient safety, because really it put what could be viewed as an administrative process squarely in the the zone of patient safety. And that's really important. And and as provider enrollment professionals, I want us to think of those, think in those ways as well. And so as we think about provider enrollment professionals, MSPs, it's really important to think about the patient at the center of it. Also, there's a growing trend that people realize that enrollment and credentialing should be cohered together. They really inform one another's work and really are customers of one another. The credentialing process leads to the enrollment process and the credentialing materials have an impact on how one gets enrolled. So working together, understanding each other's processes, I think is super important from a competency perspective, just for general awareness. As an MSP, understanding what your customer needs, I think will just make you a stronger credentialing professional so that you really understand what the enrollment professional needs. And then vice versa, the enrollment professional understanding what the credentialing staff do can have a better understanding of how that could potentially impact their work. And speaking about just augmenting education, can you speak to NAM's new provider enrollment series and how it's key in improving this core competency for MSPs? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we all aspire to lifelong learning, right? I think just like our provider colleagues, I think we should all aspire to lifelong learning. And that's obviously one of the key benefits of NAMS, its certification, its educational offerings, its conferences, et cetera. 
And I think this idea of tomorrow's MSP has really been a great opportunity to rethink what it means to be an MSP. And I think NAMS has been fabulous at the forefront of the evolution of the medical staff professional from something that was deemed the medical staff secretary or basic administrative work to really the professionalization. And as we continue on that professionalism journey, I would submit that a well-rounded MSP of tomorrow should really have competency in credentialing, privileging, provider enrollment, medical staff governance, regulatory compliance, at least as a starting point to really build up their competency, as well as also, this is an opportunity to grow and actually go to your boss and say, look, I have a basic understanding in provider enrollment, and I think the advantages of cohering the two groups together will be X, Y, Z for the institution. I want it. I hear a lot that MSPs are told that they're going to get enrollment and they don't know what that necessarily means. But I would say to you that you should be advocating to actually work together and you should actually be asking for it because I do think there's so much value in that synergy between the two groups. And so getting that basic education, getting those competencies, I think will make MSPs stronger and in a better position to advocate for themselves, including advocating for their provider enrollment professional colleagues. I think we should all be rowing in the same direction. And I'm really looking forward to MSPs and PEPs working together. I think we have been for years, but I think we're just kind of elevating both of these professions in ways that I'm really excited about. Matthew, my last question for you is how can improving provider enrollment as a competency benefit an MSP's growth during their career? Yeah, again, this is, can only help them, right? Understanding the motivations and the life cycle of a provider onboarding will only be beneficial to your organization. I think MSPs should be taking a process improvement mindset, a continuous improvement mindset. And that, to some extent, means understanding what happens after you do your work, right? I think credentialing used to be one of perhaps these back office functions where you served on an island, but I just don't think that's true anymore. And as we think of customer service, as we think of process improvement, as we think about ways in which we can onboard our providers to see patients in a timely way by safe, qualified, and competent professionals, we really need to think about the life cycle. And so increasing your competency will only give you that much more knowledge so you can take that continuous improvement mindset, that process improvement mindset to see what are the areas that are working well, where are we getting stuck, and what can we do differently, and then how does that impact our providers? So I think there's just so much opportunity to really gain an understanding and really elevate the role of the MSP, the PEP, the manager that wants to be a director, the director that wants to be the senior director. And honestly, I'd love to see more vice presidents in our ranks over time. I think this is just one area that I think as an organization, we can continue to advocate for the medical staff as a self-governing organized body really needs organized professionals like ourselves to help them with their self-governing obligations. And all starts and begins in my mind with credentialing, privileging, and enrollment. And then we can kind of just build from there. And I just see tomorrow's MSPs as that catalyst to really elevate not only their role, but that of their medical staff leaders. And so this is a small step in that journey. And I'm thankful to MAMS that I could be a small part of it. But I would certainly advocate to your listeners that this is just something that even if there's no chance that it may impact you, there's just so much opportunity there to really think about processes differently when you understand everything around you. And I think enrollment's a great opportunity because it is so similar. And then you can dip your toe in and then look at other opportunities around you because we all aspire to bigger, better, greater things. And I think this is just that small step. So hopefully this has helped people catalyze themselves to that. So. Excellent. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for sharing your insight. Greatly appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with our listeners.
Great, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. And I look forward to chatting next time. I'd like to extend a special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Decision Health. Decision Health provides the latest news, analysis, and regulatory guidance on Medicare coding and reimbursement, benchmarks, payments, and compliance for medical practice facilities and provider enrollment specialists through a wide selection of subscriptions, coding books, educational events, and online tools. To learn more, visit www.decisionhealth.com. Thank you for listening to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in to the next episode to stay up to date on the latest news and insights. Read more in-depth articles on trending topics by visiting us at namsgateway.org. Until next time.